The first letter of St. Paul is a very gracious letter. He writes to young churches that are perplexed by growing hostility toward Christians. He describes himself as an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ and he encourages the faithful to see that hardships are integral to God's design for making them more like Christ. He tries to help them see that innocent suffering is to be lived within the framework of God's plan for our lives. The theological point of the letter is really that Jesus is making present his own life in our experiences. He's leading us down a path that he himself has walked, which is a path of generous and willing love for others that brings about suffering and cost for us. On an ethical level, putting into practice that basic point of imitating Jesus, he marks out some qualities that we need to put into practice. Jesus was very patient in the face of suffering. He did not revile those who slandered him. And then St. Peter exhorts us to fight against our selfish passions, to affirm what is best in us and our relationships for others. We put aside envy and anything that would defile the dignity of other people. We strive to be model citizens. We endure mistreatment with patience. Wives and husbands, for example, are exhorted to respect and to love each other. And also, Christians are exhorted by Peter to give an intelligent explanation of what we believe to anyone who would ask us about our beliefs. But in today's reading, chapter 2, verses 4 to 9, which is the second reading of the Mass, St. Peter uses a phrase twice that is very beautiful for how we understand ourselves as Christians and as the people of God. He talks of us as the holy priesthood and as a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood that offers the spiritual sacrifices which Jesus has made acceptable to God. A royal priesthood that has been chosen by God and consecrated by God to sing God's praises. This is a people that is called out of darkness into God's own wonderful light. But to understand how we can be a priest, or rather, more accurately, to participate in Jesus' own priesthood, we have to ask, what is the priesthood about? Essentially, in the Old Testament, the idea of the priest is to be a connecting point or a mediator between God and his people. The priest, as a member of the tribe of Levi, under the Mosaic Covenant, offers gifts and sacrifices on behalf of the people for various needs, to praise God, to give thanks, to intercede for the needs of the people, to ask for forgiveness. And there are various ways of offering sacrifices, whether it was through food or drink, through prayers, or with the offering of animals. Jesus, in the view of sacred scripture, fulfills the priesthood in its completeness. Jesus doesn't say that he himself is a priest. He never uses that title, but he acts as a priest. And this comes to its greatest form at the Last Supper, 
where he takes the bread and wine and says, this is my body which is given for you. This is the chalice of my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And it's in this blood, this self-gift of Jesus, in its completeness of his personhood, that brings about the new covenant. The writers after Jesus had ascended into heaven in the New Testament took various elements of the language of priesthood and sacrifice and applied it to the life of Christians. What we need to put aside for a moment is this the idea that the priest is, or the priesthood rather, is to be identified with the ordained ministry. That, of course, is a very beautiful service of the people of God, making present the love of the Good Shepherd for his people and the love of the Divine Bridegroom for his people in guiding them and explaining the teaching of divine revelation to them and supporting them by the sacraments in their living of the Christian life. But at this point, we want to expand upon the point of St. Peter that there's a share we all have as the baptized members of the faithful in the priesthood of Christ. So I think we need to go to the letters of the Hebrews. But before we do, just to give you some points from the letters of Paul and James so that you get an idea it's a wider concept used throughout the New Testament. Paul talks about faith as a sacrifice. The financial aid from the church in Philippi for the support of the church in the rest and other parts of the world and in support of the poor is described as a fragrant and acceptable sacrifice to God. The Romans are exhorted to offer their very bodies as a living sacrifice. That is, all that is in them is lived in terms of the praise of God and the fidelity to God that we're called to have in the sense of living relationships that reflect our dignity as God's children. The acts of praise and charitableness and putting goods to the service of others described really as liturgy, that is a, a true worship of God. James talks about true worship in terms of the control of the tongue, that is we know how to speak with a sense of dignity for others, of truthfulness. And helping orphans and widows is an act of true worship. And finally, abstention from the defilements of what is worst in this world that would lead us to act in a way that's sinful is true worship of God too. So there's this wider sense of the priesthood of the faithful pertaining to the various aspects of life from one's own personal acts of love for God to the way that we show a proper respect for the dignity of others and build up relationships with them in terms of how we express our love for people through our use of goods for them. This is how we participate in the priesthood. But to come to the letter to the Hebrews, Jesus is described there as the high priest. He is sinless, he is eternal in that priesthood. It's a heavenly priesthood, that is. It's a priesthood offered forever before the majesty of God. It's a royal priesthood promised on oath like that of Melchizedek of old. And he exercises this priesthood as the son. It's a loving act, precisely as the son, in which he stands with us as a brother who has suffered with us and who encourages us to be faithful to God. There are four qualities there I'll mention briefly that we can apply to our own life that we can glean from the letter to the Hebrews. 
Christ as the priest is sinless. He is faithful to God. He puts aside what is evil and affirms what is good. He is a compassionate priest precisely because in his humanity he has lived with us, he has been tested like we are, though setting aside what is sinful, and because of being tested by that experience, he feels for us. He understands that it is difficult to be faithful. He understands what it is to go through times of hardship, and so he wants to encourage us. He offers himself as the gift and sacrifice. And here we see that we learn that the deeper meaning of whatever we do for God and for other people is that it is an expression of the inner gift of our own love and personhood to truly express our proper regard and love for other people. And finally, Jesus as the high priest lives forever to intercede for us. He doesn't leave aside his earthly existence as a forgotten memory Rather, in the continuance of his life, from all that he did for us in his earthly existence, up to the giving of his life for us upon the cross, and then how he lived for us in his resurrection, that mystery of the gift of himself to the Father, his loving regard for us, his merciful remembrance for us, continues forever in the mystery of God's kingdom. We too learn to have a merciful memory for others, sharing in the loving and compassionate attitude of Christ. We take to our hearts the needs, the joys, the sufferings of the people that we know, and either in our personal prayer or when we gather with others, or most of all, when we participate in the Holy Eucharist, we bring these people in our hearts to God.